0: Hey, guys. It's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi, everyone. How are you? This is Nina Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you all so much for showing up And listening to this movement, I hope everyone is doing well. First and foremost, I know that 2020 has been quite a year for all of us, and we're in this together. I truly believe that staying positive and finding some good news right now is more important than ever before. And that's always been the mission of this podcast since we launched it back in 2018. So welcome to podcast number 79, you guys. We made it to 79. I can't believe it. The goal of today's episode is to give all of us hope and inspiration and remind us all how much good there is in the world than we even realize. We could use a lot more of that these days. I know all of us feel that. Wedding photographer Mary Latham drove across all 50 states in her mom's Subaru in search of something positive. Her journey took her three years and 31 days, but who's counting? Uh, Mary was welcomed into 154 homes by complete strangers, and she documented countless acts of kindness, resilience, selflessness, courage, and charity. All good news approved in my book. She's now putting it all together into a brand new book. Mary Latham joins me now from Long Island. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on here. I know. This is so fun. I'm so inspired by your journey. And by everything you're doing, I feel so connected to you in this good news world that we're both we both find ourselves in this good in this good positive space, which is so awesome. But just tell us quickly, like how are you? where are you right now like what's going on in your world in this moment
1: um so I returned off of my road trip at the end of November, so kind of right before the world started shutting down, if you will, and um you know when I got home, it was funny because everyone was like, Oh, it's so amazing. Like it must have been such a great experience. And it was by all means, but I definitely felt a little bit like I just got home from war. <laughs> and you know, it was really, really challenging. Um, it was a really challenging journey. And also just in general, I feel like it was almost like you were creating this army of like-minded people like yourself who are working really, really hard. And just because we're positive and optimistic doesn't mean that it's not really, really challenging. And it doesn't mean that I'm happy all the time. It just means it's a choice every day to kind of focus on that positivity. And so um, I'm starting to finally uh, feel a little energized again. I was pretty tired and, you know, sleeping in different homes all the time. It's really exciting to have a bed back, um, have a bed in general. Um, and so I'm kind of just putting all of my notes together now. And it's pretty overwhelming. So we're in that stage of appreciating sleep but also preparing to kind of put it all together
0: yeah i know it's so exciting but you're right that transition back home is almost like culture shock so um i'm just glad you're getting settled and you're putting this journey on paper for all of us we can't wait for it to all come to life in the book so tell us a little bit about your wonderful mom though tell us a little bit i know she was the inspiration behind all of this right she this was this was, you know, basically dedicated to your mom. And I do feel like I know your mom, even though, you know, just by learning more about you and your story and everything you're doing, I feel like now I know her and she sounds like such an amazing woman. So tell us a little bit about your mom, first of all, and how she was the inspiration for you to even do this journey in the first place.
1: Um, so yes, she, she was really the whole project. I was simply the messenger. <laughs> I kind of carried it out. Um, but yeah, she was the best. Um, I'm one of four kids. I'm the youngest and she was an amazing mom. She was an awesome wife. Uh, Her and my dad actually worked together. So she worked with them on the family and in the business. So she was pretty much a saint. Um, and she had kind of inspired the project. She was diagnosed with cancer when I was in seventh grade. And in seventh grade, when you hear cancer, you kind of just go into that. They're going to die. Like you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And I was really scared. And I was the only kid home when she was going through her diagnosis. All the other kids had gone off to college by that point. So um, we got really, really close during that time. And the cancer returned 10 years later. And when it returned, I was living in the city at the time. And I was working at a law firm, um, just an online department, kind of health insurance and helping pay my rent kind of job while I did my wedding photography on the weekends. And I was working on the day of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. And I had just gotten into work that morning and I was like opening up my computer and all of the news was coming out. And it was just like, just it happened. And it was around nine o'clock and I remember just staring at it. And we grew up without television in our house. So I think that, you know, it changed Like when I would see something tragic I would become obsessed with it and I would just stare at it. And I wasn't used to seeing the news that often. And so my coworker walked by my desk as I was kind of obsessing and hitting the refresh button. And he had a coffee and said, oh, you should have come with me to Starbucks today. And I was ignoring him and was like, yeah, I can't afford it this week. And I kept going back to the news. And he said, no, it was free. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, there was a guy in earlier buying gift cards for his employees because it was right before Christmas. And he randomly just got a $100 gift card at the end and said, run it out on all these people line behind me. And it was just such a cool thing. You know, you hear about these things. I had never been directly impacted. And the guy who's telling me this story that was a friend of mine at work had just gone through a divorce. Um, His mom had died that year of cancer. He had back surgery. Like he just had so much going on. That year it was not a good year. He was such a happy person. He'd been so down. And seeing his reaction to this like free $4 coffee, he was just so happy. He was like glowing. (laughs) and I could still see his face. And so he walked away and I called my mom and I told her all about it really quick. And then I immediately switched over because she didn't, she was in our home, didn't have TV. And I was telling her all about it. There was a shooting this morning, mom, and this is going on still, and it's little kids, and how could this happen? And how, you know, I had to babysit that night and I was like, I'm gonna be crying on this little kid. And she said, Mary, you have to focus on that coffee story you just told me. You know there are always going to be tragedies and horrible things that will inevitably happen in our lives and in the world but there will always be more good out there if you look for it um so that was kind of one of our last really big conversations that stuck with me Um, a few weeks later she had surgery and passed away from her cancer i was kind of not really prepared for it we thought it was just kind of a routine surgery um and that time in the hospital waiting room that week you know i had i had actually gotten together with a friend of mine in the city at the time and we decided we were gonna start focusing on the good stuff, you know, my mom was really sick. I was still pretty naive to how bad it was, but I knew it wasn't good. She was going through a bad breakup and I thought, let's start like a Facebook page or something, like just put some happy stuff out there. And, um, and so we started one uh, about two weeks before she went into the surgery. So she knew we had started a little Facebook page at least. And um, we just asked people to send these stories and you know, if these little moments of acts of human kindness have happened to you, or big moments, Um, you know, share them. And so we started sharing them. And then I ended up in the hospital that week with her and my whole family and just realized it's needed here. (laughs) Like, you know, in those waiting rooms, I was lucky enough to have a big family, but there was a guy in there alone in the corner. I could still see him. Um, There was a couple that was divorced and fighting over their 30 year old daughter who was dying. If she should see her boyfriend or not, like it was just so hopeless. And there was nothing, like not even a trashy magazine about the Kardashians' new nail collar. And, um, and so I just thought, we, like that, this is where it needs to be. And so I decided I was gonna take her old Subaru and I was gonna go across the country and start collecting these stories because I'm sure as you know, you know, real, whenever you start a project with that like wave of momentum, and it's like, yeah, positive, and everyone's like, that's great, we need that more than ever, we need that. And people start sharing things and then it just starts dying out. And it's like, wait, we still need it more and more now than like, and um and people just you know the momentum gets lost and so that happened pretty quickly for me and i was already depressed and my mom had just died and i thought i'm not going to let this discourage me i'm just going to go out there and find it on my own and so i just got in the car and went <laughs> and the, the plan is to put it all into a book to put in
0: hospital waiting rooms across the country right so the book will go into hospitals which is so it's such an awesome idea and so needed It's just incredible that, um, you know, and I love the little Facebook story. I didn't know that, that it was like this Facebook page that you started. And then there now it's, it's gotten much bigger than that. So what, tell us like, what did you find when you hit the road? Um, Did you come away feeling that your mom was right in the end that there is really like, as your shirt says, there is more good out there in the world. Cause we kind of want to know like, what is it like out there?
1: Um, so I'll tell you one thing. It's not as scary as they make us (laughs) think. Um, my, my two best friends were still in Manhattan. I had lived with them and left, um, to go on this trip. And so they would constantly check in. You know, one would be like, oh gosh, you're in Oklahoma. There's tornadoes today. Or one of them would be like, oh, this area. I don't know. There was a shooting. I think this morning It's like, yeah, dude, you're in New York. There was probably a shooting there too, (laughs) you know? So I think that the news kind of wraps us into this like terror um and so i never watched the news on the road i just went and i based it on people's faces and if they were smiling if they looked genuine i felt like i had a pretty good idea of being a people person and kind of gauging um how people were and so i was very fortunate i mean 154 homes for three years over three years and i don't have anything bad to report back you know there was definitely moments where you would stay with people and be like we'll stay in touch. They were great, but maybe we won't stay in touch. And there's others that, you know, someone texted me this morning um, that I haven't spoken to in two years. So I think that that, um, there was definitely more challenging times, um, but never a moment where I was actually scared uh, of a person or felt nervous myself. Um, I think that, you know, when my mom told me that line, she said, there'll always be these things and there will, there will always be bad, (laughs) but there will be more good if you look for it, and I think that, you know, if you look for it was the part that I realized at the end of the trip, like you have to look and you have to dig and it's not easy. And people thought I was getting inundated with emails and, oh, I probably had a million followers on Instagram. I didn't have any of that. You know, it was a success because I worked my butt off, but it wasn't a success because of an algorithm or, you know, any of that stuff that we think defines success with our projects now. It was just a lot of hard work and a lot of digging and and really just getting into these homes and, kind of almost being a reminder of the good. You know, you would start talking to people and then by the end of your visit, they'd be like, wow, like, I just remember this happened when I was in like 10th grade or like I had this teacher, I had this person that like paid for all my books once, like just like these little memories that they had just forgotten. And so it was cool to kind of make these people look back on their life and really remember the
0: good. Yeah, Mary, Mary's our reminder of all the good out there. So tell us what it was really like though Mary you stayed in people's homes like we talked about 154 homes you know a lot of these people were strangers they were connecting you were being connected you know this was all funded this was you know funded by people and you but you know people were putting you up and you were staying in their homes so what was that actually like for you staying in people's homes like strangers that were you know someone may have told you instagram tagged you in their post and then yeah. <laughs> colorado says come come here mary and you don't even know them and you're saying like house.
1: wonderful a bed
0: great um
1: yeah i think you're just so exhausted and tired and everything and the whole journey was about showing that people again we have bad and good all of us inside and just like focusing on that good as much as possible to like bring it out more too with people i think that that was my least worry like i just was like why would i be afraid of People, when I'm trying to tell other people not to be afraid of, you know, like it just seems kind of silly. But I will say, my last home that I stayed in in um, in Brooklyn, New York, which was, you know, I'm like on the home stretch now and I'm coming through. And and I was very specific about where I would stay. I would I would say yes to everyone pretty much, um, but whenever someone would offer a place to stay, I wanted to stay in like a city kind of feeling in the state, but also like a small town. Like, because I grew up at the end of Long Island where it's the end of the world, it feels like. And then even as you go up on Long Island and get close to the city, totally different. New York City, totally different. Upstate New York, totally different. So I didn't want to just go to one spot. So anyway, I'm going through Brooklyn, it's my last stop. I get to the home total strangers that had reached out to me. And I had so many people I know in the city, but I was like, nope, has to be a total stranger. Um, And she was French Canadian. She had been here for like 20 years, I think. She was um, really wonderful. I loved her. She's very unique, artistic. And and so I got to her home and she had put me downstairs in her room. And this is the thing I noticed with people. They would always, like they put me in their room or like their bed and they'd stay in the, I was like, what do you do? Like not always, but it was just always like, I can just sleep on the couch. Like they were so concerned with making sure I was comfortable and I was a total stranger. So, um, so this woman, she was like, you have, you stay in my room, it's downstairs. So you'll have your own space and a bathroom. And then she was cracking up. She's like, we call it the bathroom, not the bathroom, because she was French Canadian. Her H's weren't very strong. So she always said the bathroom. So I thought it was like, haha, funny, little weird joke, whatever. Yeah. I go downstairs <laughs> and I open up the bathroom. It is literally a bat room there are like bats and little frames and like fat wallpaper and like glow-in-the-dark bats and like old pictures of like drawn back and I was like oh my gosh I like you know took a video and I like sent it to my friends and they're like are you kidding like this is where you're gonna get murdered in your own home state at the end of the trip but anyway I thought it was hilarious they were the best I wasn't scared of them at all I was just like this is crazy uh, you know people have their things and their unique random little things and it was just things, you know, it's just like, everyone has their stuff, but like, I was, I don't know the people were never scary and they were so hospitable. Like, I mean, they were like, they, those, those two women, they like made me this delicious, amazing dinner. And like, you know, so many people, they would always feed you a warm meal. Some people would like give you a little gift bag of like some, you know, chapstick and water bottles and granola for the car. Some of them would send me off with gas money or I'd end up in a home right when I needed it the most. Like I'd have, be hearing some car trouble, which in the beginning of the trip, You'd hear car trouble and I'd be like, oh my gosh, the car's breaking down. Like if the trip's over. Or I'd have like a bruise and I'd be like, I have cancer now. Like, you know, when you're by yourself and you're traveling, it's like always worst case scenario. Then after like a year of it, the car makes a noise. I'm like, no, we'll deal with that next week. <laughs> you know, you have so much other stuff going on. So I had some car issues going on. I was like, I'll deal with that eventually. And I pull into a home in Indiana and the guy just happens to be a mechanic and like did all this work on my car. Oh my God. So stuff like that would happen. And that's amazing. Super, super challenging journey. But those moments were like those moments that affirmed the trip for me. It was like, there's got to be something going on. I don't know if my yeah, mom.
0: Would but that was your you mom. Be... That yeah. was your mom making sure that the Subaru didn't break down. Exactly. That was totally your mom. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's amazing. So how did you map out the trip, Mary? Because I'm just curious, like, how did you, you know, how did you plan where you were going to go and when and like, which state would be next? How did you map that all out?
1: So I Googled the best route across the US in the beginning, and I printed out that map, and I used that as like a really rough guide. Like I went to those states almost exactly in order of how it was, but not the areas. I think it was more based on landmarks. Um, but I, I would say there wasn't really any logic in it. Like If you look at the map on my website, it's like circles and zigzags. Um, I wouldn't say there was a lot of logic. I really just followed the story. So if I was in a place and I was, I would reach out to someone that had, you know, I would plug in Oklahoma and then anyone reached out from Oklahoma, I would send a message and be like, Hey, like, so I'll probably end up there next week. I think, um, is the offer still standing? I mean, it maybe had been a year since they had reached out to me They're like, where are you? And, um, and then they would just almost always people were like, Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come
0: come on in.
1: And I would just show up. Um, and just like fall out of my car and we would have some dinner and tell stories. So it was very um, spontaneous, I would say more so, like it wasn't really very planned. I never had an issue finding a home. It was more so the stories. The people that hosted me were just shelter. Of course they had stories and we would talk, but that was never why I I wasn't specifically staying with my stories. I was seeking shelter and then I would walk around the communities and talk with people and get stories. So that the story part was a lot harder, I think, getting people to realize, your story is important, it matters. Um, And even if it's a tiny one, it's a big one. So um, I think that that was more of a challenging part but people opening their doors was the easiest part.
0: Yeah, and tell us, Mary, share with us just maybe a couple of the stories that maybe like impacted you a lot, even if they were small ones, you know, just some of the stories that are gonna be part of your book. Yeah, so, so
1: one of my, like, absolute favorite stories, which was right in the beginning of the trip, um, was a woman who was working at a bank, like, 30 years ago, and she was working at a bank. She was, like, in her 20s, and she had been having a really bad day, and it was visible on her face. that looked like maybe she'd been crying or something, and so a customer came in that she had never seen before, and she withdrew some money, and then she looked up at her and said, you know, are you okay? You look like you're having a hard time. Is there anything I can do? And she super embarrassed <laughs> like oh no no nothing some m ms won't fix when I get out of work later and just like made a weird joke and they laughed and the lady left and then 30 minutes later the lady came back in and split some m ms under the window to her and it was just like such a tiny thing but the fact that like she went out and bought some m&ms and then came back to bring I think really at the end of the day it was two reasons that that was like my favorite story one it was so small. And I feel like when people think of an act of kindness, they're like, oh yeah, like the person that joined the kidney to a stranger. And I have those stories and I've met those people and they're angels walking around on earth. And it's amazing, but that doesn't have to be the only story. You know, it can be something little, it can be something tiny, like a bag of M&Ms. And we're all capable of that. So like it's that reminder, like, oh, I can do that. Like I could be making someone and here's this woman telling me this story from 30 years ago. Like she never forgot it. She told her kids and her grandkids, she's telling me, like, it just made such an impact on her. And I thought, oh, you know, she stepped her toe that day, or like her boyfriend maybe broke up with her. That's why she was upset. But then I talked to hundreds of thousands of people across the country, and it was like, her uncle could have died in a car accident the night before, or, you know, her mom had cancer. Like, you don't know and everyone, everyone is going through something serious. And it's just like to see that that tiny little thing made such an impact and that we are able to do that too, that reminder. And also the other part is just that, I think at the end of the day, the ultimate act of kindness that we can really ever do for someone else is give them time. Like mm-hmm. whether the time that she took to go to the store and get MMs, or the time we take to like go visit a grandparent or answer the phone call from our annoying aunt that talks too much or, you know, whatever we're doing, it's just, it's, it's just taking the time to do. Mm-hmm.
0: That. Yeah. Maybe writing someone a note in the mail, you know, old school. Yeah, written a card, a letter, all those things, and just some. Sometimes just a smile, which is free, by the way. If you smile mm-hmm. at someone, sometimes a smile can brighten someone's day or make their day. You know, you never know what someone's going through, but oh my gosh, I, I love know. the M story.
1: There was a woman in um, New Mexico that I talked to, and she said she was in a grocery store. This is also like 20 years ago or something, but she never forgot. She was in the store, and there was a man who was African American. He was um, very tall and he was standing in the aisle next to her and she smiled at him and then when she walked out to her car and he was getting her car he came out and he handed her a candy bar and he was like i just wanted to give you this um you know for your smile Aww. and it just it like broke my heart because it it was just like and she said she was like you know it made me wonder like how many people actually smile at him? Are they like, are they scared? Like, it's just like these different, you know, I walk around like buddy that I'm always smiling, but like, you know, there's other people that like, I, I just, it just breaks your heart. And it's just like, yeah, a smile is free. And it and it has such an impact on him that he talks right. about candy bar, like, you know? And so yeah. Really cool.
0: now here we are in 2020, which has been such a challenging year for, for all of us really. So what do you think your mom would say right now? Like, in her like good advice that she gave you about sandy hook which happened here in connecticut what would she say to all of us and to you about 2020 and like what we should be focusing on right now during this you know very uncertain stressful challenging times that we're living in
1: um probably look up i think right now like we're just all looking at our phones and the news and just freaking out I mean, I was walking through Chicago, I remember, on my trip, and I was responding to some emails. And it was just the only time. You know, I was walking, I wasn't driving, I could never do anything in the car. Uh, I needed, like, a little, like, <laughs> doppelganger sitting next to me or something like a clone that they could be answering emails. But um, so I was responding to some emails because it was the only chance I had. And all of a sudden, in the last possible second, I just looked up, and I was just passing a homeless man. He was sitting on the corner, and there was a man sitting with him in a um, tuxedo. And he was just sitting on the ground with him and they were just like half hugging, talking. And it was just like one of those moments where it was like, I would have just missed that. And it was like so beautiful. Like they were just sitting there hugging. I don't know their story. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but um, I think that we're so distracted because we're always missing stuff. And like on this journey, you know, I would get into people's homes and I would say, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, anyone in your community. Like, oh, I don't know. I got to think. Like, I don't know. You know, I know it's out there. I just can't think of something right now. And then I would go out and look for it myself. And then you'd find someone down the street, three houses away, who's working tirelessly till four in the morning on a nonprofit because they lost a child, and so now they've set up a nonprofit for other families that lose babies or children so that they can pay for the funerals because they know what it's like to go through that and how important it is to have support. And the people I'm staying with, who are absolutely wonderful people and lovely, have no idea and don't even know them. And so it's not to say that we're not all, you know, working really hard and doing our our own lives, but it's putting us in a bubble and it's preventing us from seeing what's going on. So it's not that it's not out there. It's just that you, again, you have to look and you have, so like, look for it, keep looking for it and look up because a lot of distractions going on right now.
0: Yeah, I know that's such good advice. Though. Just
1: enjoy, course, the good. You know, you can't help the bad. You can help being a good person, obviously, but if there's bad stuff going on, you can sit and wallow in your basement and be like, Oh, the world's terrible. It's all bad. Cause that's solving something or you can go out and buy some of
0: them. That's just like, what are you yep. yep, or buy, do the Starbucks thing, you know, buy yeah. the people, by the person in line behind you if you're in the drive-through or whatever, get the person's coffee behind you or in front of you, whatever it is. I, I think that's so good. Yeah. So tell us what, how is the book process going so far? Where are you in the book process and how is it going? Because I'm sure you just have so much Um, You know, and it's like a lot and you have to like get it down into a, you know, a coffee table book. So that's probably super challenging. So how's the process going so far and where are you in the process?
1: Um, So, so far I've just kind of, I finished my proposal. um, And so I wrote up a few sample stories of how I'd like it to kind of look in the book. Um, So I just picked a few that really stuck in my head from the whole journey, whether it was something that happened the first week or, you know, the last week and um there was definitely you know those stories that really stick with you and so i kind of started putting that together but yeah it's really daunting because it was three years and you know it's it's not just it was a road trip of kindness you know i stayed with the strangers i drove my mom's car it was really my journey too um you know there were so many components Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a road trip it wasn't just this it wasn't just that and so um I think kind of figuring out how much I'm going to put in this book and then what I'll maybe say for putting in my own book someday and really talking about my own journey and the people I stayed with. Um, so I guess it's just a lot of
0: organizing
1: right now, which um, is a challenge. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And is, is your mom's car still, are you still driving your mom's car around on Long Island?
1: So um, the registration did expire towards the end of the journey. And um, so it's it still expired. I actually, when my mom first passed away, I moved down to St. John in the Virgin Islands. Um, just one way ticket, leap of faith, thought I would just figure it out once I got there and um as lovely and glamorous as that sounds it was definitely um really really scary and if you're not vacationing then it's different when you live there <laughs> so um i think just figuring that whole thing out and uh it was just a lot of challenges that made me realize um they hitchhiked there so at the time like the thought from going to manhattan to there and getting in a strangers car was like absolutely not Um, And then after a few weeks of, you know, hiking into town a couple miles in the 95 degree heat, I was like, maybe I'd rather get murdered, who knows. So I started hitchhiking and I just realized that these people are so nice and so welcoming. And so I think it was a really big stepping stone for me getting in the car when I was finally mentally prepared to get in the car because it wasn't just the mental thing, it was emotional also. And so um, especially when you're staying and hearing all these stories, you kind of have to have a little bit of a foundation for yourself because i was still hurt and broken a little bit and then going out and really being almost like an unlicensed therapist for three years it was like whoa what did i just sign myself up for so um so after the trip i went back to st john um and then i got quarantined um which was a whole other set of challenges and and a whole other book really that it it became but I did just get back. And so right now I'm just barring my dad's old pickup
0: truck, but
1: I'm okay. in the process of getting my <laughs> registration
0: okay. okay. So you can, you can, maybe on the book tour, you can drive around that might be yeah. fun, right? She's 30. <laughs> yeah. That could be really cool. So what would you say was the biggest challenge of your journey, Mary? Because I love hearing about, I love hearing about all the good stuff, of course, cause it's good news, but I also want to know the real real here. Like what was, what was the hardest part? taking a shower some days or like, you know, give us the real story. Oh no, it was never, it was definitely more like inside.
1: Like, I think, like, as I said, I think the, emotion, yeah.
0: the emotional aspect was really, really yeah. The healing, right? The healing of losing a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And also,
1: you know, in the beginning I stayed with a family who, um, beautiful, uh, blonde haired mother and had two children and, you know, one of the children had a bunch of special needs and she was, um you know, had a very severe health issue to the point where she had to wear diapers. But if you saw her out with the other kid, you'd be like, oh, what a wonderful life. So being in her home and seeing that side and knowing all the challenges they were going through as a family and as she was as a mom um, was such a punch in the face with perspective. So I quickly went from, you know, being sad and woe is me to like, wow, how lucky was I that I had this mom that like inspired me to do all of this. Like mm-hmm. what investment happened to her and just, fortunate enough to have a big family so it wasn't so much my own I mean it was a constant reminder and I always wish she could know what I was doing and I miss her all the time but I think it was more so hearing all the other stories I'm such a people person and I love people and I had a really hard time because I'm not a licensed therapist um switching gears to like not taking a lot of the pain in so I think that like talking with families for hours about a child they lost you know you put out the little. I mean, I'll put out the little happy thing of what amazing thing they do now and how they help people. But I sat there for hours going through a scrapbook of their kit, crying, they're crying, we're all crying. You know, it was just doing that every single day was really, really hard. And then trying to do that balance because throughout the three years, um, to keep my wallet alive, I did park my car about 10 times and the people in the driveway of a nice stranger and they would drop me to the airport or I'd take an Uber. And I would fly back to New York for a week or two and shoot weddings to, you know, mm. keep my business and my wallet alive. And then I'd pop back onto the road for months at a time. So whenever I would do that, it was hard. <laughs> you know, you're going from again this tragic, mm-hmm. crazy story that you got that morning to getting into New York and shooting a wedding with a girl in a ten thousand dollar wedding dress. With, you know, yeah. The, uh, they're fighting over what napkin color they're going to do. So I think just that balance of realizing again, like that's that moment for them. That doesn't mean that they didn't have a bunch of strategy they went through. They're just in their moment and they're having a hard time picking their napkin color, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like, I think the the balance was really, really challenging. Um, but it was, yeah, I think that there was just so many moments of like, again, like those moments that affirmed the trip and made me realize, um, how important it was that I was doing that, that it, it all kind of just, it was worth it.
0: Yeah, so worth it. Now, what was it like for you when you were featured on the Today Show? Because I loved watching you. That was so awesome. You got, I mean, you—you. You, I know you had some local media that was following you in different states when you were out there on the road, but what was it like being featured on national television on the Today Show?
1: Um, that was really awesome. I think that knowing that they just found me and that I just got there from working hard was definitely like a really awesome experience. Um, it was like almost it was like two and a half years I think at that point that I had been doing this, and so um, when I first walked in to the studio, they had a bunch of pictures that in black and white that were kind of like all along the back wall of where we were going to sit on the couch, and I think like in that moment, it just like hit like it was like oh my gosh like
0: yeah you're like I'm still I'm doing this fine. yeah I
1: really doing it and like oh my gosh I'm like look what I did so far and I think that's always like, it. sometimes it hits you. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Because you're like, forget. Like, not that you forget, my legs don't forget, my body's still very angry. But you know, it's just one of those moments where it was like, and my best friend came with me, and so she was like, you know, behind the camera, people like crying. And so it was just, it was a really, um, it was a really cool moment. But again, I literally, the second I walked out the door, I, they got me a car to the airport, I went right to the airport, I went right back to my car. Because I had just been on the show, now the emails were coming. I had a ton of emails. I was going back to Cincinnati, Ohio. The next four days, I just was going from story to, story to story, to story, to story, to story, and then like falling in bed at night to the point where like by the fifth day, I was like so sick, but I was like, I have to keep going. And so, um, it was like, you almost didn't get to really enjoy it after that because like, you were just like, but it was right after-
0: back at it. Yeah, yeah. Right back at it. Oh, that was so awesome. So I loved watching that. Um, well, so now how is wedding photography going? Because obviously, you know, <laughs> 2020. So, you know, how are you? Yeah. So I know, you know, that's that's your gig. That's how you're paying bills and stuff. So what are you doing um, in lieu of wedding photography? How's that going? So I've been
1: doing um, a lot of family shoots. Oh, great. Um, I did have a wedding that was supposed to be tomorrow. They just canceled like a week and a half ago um, and postponed to next year um but yeah a lot of them have been kind of postponed or canceled well not canceled but well actually didn't happen but you know like you know they get postponed until next year so i started a new project um because why not of course <laughs> when, you have, you did. when you have so much else to do um where i'm kind of going back and highlighting um bride and grooms that i've already photographed in the last 12 years and i always take like a couple specific photos like whether it's in front of their grandfather's tractor or, or in front of you know an old barn in our town, and so we're going back to that spot again and meeting up. And now they have kids, or a dog, or they're pregnant, and we're kind of doing another photo um, and calling it "Where Now," and um, oh, yes. do little interviews with them cool. to talk about like how you got here now and how like what your challenges were. Because I feel like we live in this world where it's like everything is so perfect on social media, and it's like no nothing is perfect, and we're all falling apart, like literally all of yeah. us. So <laughs> yep, you we know, are humanizing that fall apart thing yeah. because I think um, everyone's going through it. And so to make it not seem like things are just perfect and their babies just arrived um, and talk a little bit more about the challenges. So that's been kind of a side project and
0: because I've been doing that, then they're all signing up for family shoots afterwards. And then I just
1: had a couple yeah.
0: of shoots in general. So that's-, oh, that's great. And what what would you say the timeline is for your book? Would you say that we hope to have the book done in 2021? Are you hoping to have it done before the end of 2020? What's the timeline oh, that you're thinking? Oh, crazy. No, I think 2021 is a good is 2021. A yeah, yeah, I think that when I started, I like goals. I'm very goal oriented, Mary, so. You got to set something otherwise.
1: Yeah. And All right, so
0: 2021
1: so that you can hold yourself accountable. When I started the road part, I thought it'd be a year. So 3 years later. 3, three years, and 31 days later. Yeah. 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 So I'm not being too hard on myself with the uh, time commitment, right. but yeah, it is good to like kind of have like an end goal a little
0: bit. Um, yeah. So and I'm sure, like good. you said, I know you have an agent, so I'm sure your agent is like, okay, Mary, let's go <laughs> on the 2021 train. That's good. Yeah. By the way, I also think you could be like a motivational speaker. Like once the book comes out and I don't know, I just, as we were talking, I was like, you have so many good lessons and like seeing the positive. And I was like, you know, I could see you giving like talks you know like a year and a half into my trip I connected with a journalism teacher in California and he like asked me if I would
1: go out in, into his classrooms and talk to his students and I said yes and after that he blasted it out to the community all over the country and for the next two years I talked to high schools in every state and then and, not right. like the states I had left and then right. um, and then I went to their uh, yearbook convention, Justin's yearbook so that was like 300 people i think that i spoke to there they like flew me to orlando and then this past january right as we were shutting down um super flew me to their national conference and that was like 700 people and that was really cool i got to bring my dad because it was on his birthday <laughs> and um and so i went and talked to them and they all got mortgage shirts oh.
0: so they were all wearing a
1: mortgage shirt in the audience.
0: Why isn't Subaru sponsoring you, by the so way? So they um, actually reached out to me in my last four states.
1: And they were like, it was, um, one of the vice presidents, he's like, oh, like if you need a place to stay. And and I didn't even know he was the vice president. Um, I just knew he worked there. And he said, you can bring your car in to get checked on. And I was like, yes, please. Of course, I always take that offer. So um, so I got to his, but I had said, you know, like I'm doing this trick and it's sponsored quite literally on Human kindness because all these people are reaching out and hosting me and offering gas money. And I wanted to keep it like that. I think it was just really important to me at that point. Had they reached out in the beginning, yeah, <laughs> but that
0: means, could have been different. By
1: all means, I would have taken the help. But yeah. once I worked so hard, I was like, no, now this is mine and like ours and like it's more authentic and grassroots. And I didn't want it to get taken over and change and get mm-hmm. by anything else. So, um, but I will say that they did reach out. I did bring my car in. It was like, a week and a half away from the engine dying because okay. there's like an oil spill somehow inside of it and or an oil leak and so they fixed it all up okay. and they gave me a rental to use for the week and i was like leaving to another area in new jersey and they just gave me the rental and then um the president took me out to lunch and the vice president posted me he put me on his christmas card this year like a joking photoshop photo i sent because we got along his wife was almost dying when I stayed with them. She got seated and got like super, super sick that night. I was in like a horrible depression. So like the timing of a lot of the homes, honestly, but that home and me getting there. And now they like have me as a part of their family. And I jokingly sent them like a picture. It was like their family photo professionally. And then I Photoshopped
0: my face. Oh, I'm part of the family. And they literally like
1: thought it was the best thing ever. And they put it on their Christmas card and they like talked about more good. So we're really close now. Um, and when i went to alaska they connected me with their people there and they didn't have a blue outback to give me when i got there so the service manager literally gave me his car because he had a blue outback It's like a family car for two weeks for me to drive around a thousand miles plus around alaska that's okay. i didn't have to sign anything yeah. like just which was so much cooler again because like that's what this right. was, not like if i just got a free rental um, but in Hawaii also like just separately because Hawaii is not the same as Super of America. They're like their own dealership. Um, in the three islands I went to, they picked me up from the airport.
0: Yeah, I saw that on I your Instagram. Yeah, So like it,
1: it was really cool because it was like their own individual ways of helping instead of just like a check or a, yeah. or a stamp or whatever. Right. Um, okay. but yeah, it didn't come till the end. And then they just really were very, um, impressed. By the fact yeah, that i did it by I myself understand. so they had black they flow me down to speak at their event and i'm going back again it's probably gonna be on zoom but i'm going back again um in january to to talk to they're like we want you back every year
0: oh my god
1: so, so that'll be really cool but it was cool for my dad because and he like was so stressed out obviously the whole entire trip i called him every day at six o'clock and um so for him to get to sit there and like I didn't tell him a lot of the stories I was like yeah I'm safe I'm alive how are you and like didn't want to tell him too much didn't want to freak him out so for him to get to hear the stories and like see all of it was really really cool yeah that's so awesome yeah you're that's dead. the picture that's like the only picture I have right now like I wish I could take it down but it's like super glue but there's like a picture of all the people from Subaru in their oh that's
0: right. Subaru okay oh that's so cool I think I saw that on your Instagram was yeah in why um, that was in Orlando at the conference. Orlando. Oh, at the at the conference, right. Oh my God. My dad's late in the front. She's like... So cool. He's like, oh, that's my daughter. She's like famous. <laughs> Tell us where we can find you on Instagram and all the things that, so everyone can follow you and the More Good journey.
1: Yeah. So it's More Good Today on Facebook and on Instagram and then
0: moregoodtoday.com on, for the website. <laughs> okay, good. And I'll put all of that information into the show notes. And I can't wait to get your book in 2021. Um, and I do think that in 2020, just, you know, focusing on the fact that there is more good out there than we realize. And we're gonna look up, Mary. I'm gonna think about you often um, when I, and especially when I'm, when I'm out walking. Sometimes I catch myself on a walk, whether I'm with my dog or I'm out exercising and I'm on my phone. And I'll look up and see something. And that's when I'm like, what am I doing? I should be looking. So good advice. I'm going to take it. I hope everyone will join me in that. And um, I just want you to know, we're all so blown away by you and your mission. And I know your mom is so proud of you. And I'm sure she just thinks that everything you're doing is so incredible and so needed and so important right now. So It's weird how the timing is working out too with what we're all going through. So I think there, maybe there's a connection there too. I don't know, but just want you to know um, you're making an impact. And I think it's so incredible. I'm so glad we got to connect.
1: Yes, me too. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's the army. We got got to stay connected.
0: Supporting. We will. will. Well, thanks for sharing your good news, Mary. And uh, we can't wait to, we can't wait to follow along as the book unfolds. So thanks again, Mary. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe, also rate and review all her podcasts too, and be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXL.